Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong Giants fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Episode of Giant Cocktails. Thank you once again, Bob, from mid-season all the way until now for that wonderful intro. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the esteemed Captain Emeritus, National League Western Division champion, weatherman extraordinaire, a bolt of lightning that blasts through walls of wind... Matthew Henry. Oh, I like that. I keep getting added titles left and right. Yes, you're like a Longorian blast. (laughs) Ooh, a Longorian blast cutting through the sharpest winds. The only thing that can get through the sharpest winds in an L.A. night. I like it. Uh, Let's hope that Austin Riley can also hit those kind of home runs. Um, Who? What? Is there any baseball? What? Uh, Today, ladies and gentlemen, is Monday, October 18th, as we record this podcast a day late and a dollar short because yours truly could not record on schedule for the first time in 35 weeks. Yeah. Maybe you should have paid your electric bill. I maybe I should have. I, I, it's, you know, it's, it seems like a strange, strange times. I, I, I thought, you know, like for, for 20 years, uh, I thought power outages were the thing of the past. And then I thought power outages were only a thing that you had to do because, you know, it's climate change and fires. <laughs> I, I don't know. But then boom, all of a sudden my power went out for like a totally like random reason, just like I was a child back in the day. And, uh, uh, yeah, so my power was out for about four or five hours, uh, which uh, which is a pretty long time, and unfortunately, it was right during the sweet spot when we record. So, yeah. so we couldn't we couldn't get our, our our episode in. Wait, I have a question though. Yes. How did your kids handle four hours without internet? Uh, it was a struggle. Yeah. It was a struggle. It was not something that they were used to dealing with. <laughs> um, I will tell you this: all four of us hung out in the same room together. For like three or four hours. Look at that PG and E bringing families together. I mean, right? You know, it was crazy. And um, you know, twice, twice, my son got up and tried to um, to to cook things with the toaster or the microwave in the kitchen. <laughs> it's really uh, failing was, to grasp the concept. That of was no that was amusing. That was amusing. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, my daughter, my daughter latched onto it pretty quickly, though. She was like, I need candles so I can do my art homework and then I need to read a book. So she was she, on she, it. Yeah, she was on it. She was on it. She switched over pretty quickly. But it was uh, yeah, it was unusual. It was unusual. But what I found was, is that, you know, I, I, I don't want to hang out with those people either. So, like, where's my Internet, man? Like, you know, come on. Wait. Isn't that, isn't that what parents are supposed to say? <laughs> no. Did I just say the thing parents aren't supposed to say? Maybe, yeah. Uh, which child is your favorite? Neither. Is that an answer? The is dog. neither an answer? The dog yeah, is the, the answer. Dog. The dog is not my favorite. <laughs> the cat that never talks to me, that's my favorite child. 
The one that you can't have? Uh, uh, well, can't, can't, can't have, won't have, doesn't want, neither of us look at each other ever. Yeah, that's my favorite <laughs> child, ladies and gentlemen. Um, don't call social services on me. I'm actually not that bad of a parent. Um, I can vouch. He's a wonderful father. With and a, most with of the a time, when I'm sense of humor, that's his only. Yeah, most of the time on this show, when I'm dr- faking drunk, I'm 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 faking being drunk. Uh, I really drink one cocktail a week, and uh, and this okay, is now, a... now you're going too far. Well, not since we've been making the show. Actually, I drink three cocktails a week because I try to make the darn the, with the mixology dice, man. Oh right, yeah. You I haven't I haven't had that much alcohol. Yeah. yeah, the mixology dice that really that really threw me. Because I had to like practice making those cocktails at least twice to figure out, you know, again, I make something passable for the show. The things we do for our listeners. That is what we do for our listeners. This is usually the bit where I talk about what the Giants did during the past week. I, I don't know what they did. Probably uh, on the none, beach somewhere. None of them would let me near them. <laughs> um, the restraining orders uh, and all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jose Alvarez especially is strange. <laughs> um, and I have to keep saying, I'm not Matthew. <laughs> yes, uh, I liked you. Remember? I well, I, I didn't really like him. I just, you know, you came awful. around much quicker than I did. I did, I did, I did. But uh, but he was never. He was not not necessarily my favorite, especially after the gut punch. Uh but we're meandering, Matthew. We're meandering. Right. And, it and is. No, go ahead. It is what? I'm sorry. Uh, it is episode thirty-five, and it's time for Bob to ask you. The question. What are you drinking? <laughs> well, Bob, yeah, I actually am drinking something that it's not a sophisticated cocktail. Sometimes you just want something that just to hit a spot, right? And, and you know, this is we're, we're recording later than we normally do right now, and I've already eaten dinner. So this is kind of a more of a dessert kind of uh, cocktail. But really, it's two ounces of screwball peanut butter whiskey topped off with about three or four ounces of root beer Ooh. and then and then over ice and then I sprinkle in a little bit of Luxardo cherry syrup to kind of give it maybe a PB and J feel a little bit mm. and I garnish it with a couple of uh, Luxardo cherries and so that that's what I'm drinking and I'm not apologizing this is a uh, really kind of a comfort drink if you will that does sound like a drunk, grown child's drink. It is. It, it really does, and I am not going to judge you for that. But you that know, is, I, uh, if you go, if I pack my lunch every day when I go to work, and usually there's a peanut butter and jelly in there. I really mm-hmm. like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, so sue me. <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. A 45 year old plus band. We know that Matthew is 45 years old plus nine months at the very least. <laughs> Uh, as he outed himself by reciting my age a couple of weeks ago. I actually like that one. When, when you say you put a little bit of Luxardo uh, cherry liqueur. No, or... syrup. Just uh, oh, the syrup oh. from the Luxardo cherries uh, that I got. I just, oh, I took a, cu- yeah, yeah. a few bar okay. spoonfuls of that and just drizzle it in. Oh and... yeah, that's a good trick. That's a good yeah. trick. Yes, yeah. yes. Taking the syrup from your, from your, uh, your brandy cherries. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice call. Nice call. Thanks. I like that a lot. I, I think, um, you know, I, I have all the ingredients for, for that exact cocktail. Um, perhaps I will perhaps I will imbibe um, on that uh, sometime in the near future uh, when I am uh, uh, relaxing. I, I'm taking some time off from work soon. So. Oh, you'll have some time. Yeah, exactly. 
So, so now that I've shared with my drink, what are, what are you drinking, Ben? I am drinking actually a variation on a theme that I have done many variations on this season. I, I wanted, I did one of these very early in the season, and then didn't come back to it for quite a while. Uh, but I am drinking to my drinking a, another whiskey sour this time, though. Unlike just being a normal whiskey sour or a fancy whiskey sour, like I had. A couple weeks ago, or I don't know, a couple shows ago, uh, I'm drinking what is called a New York Sour. And a New York Sour is a whiskey sour. So it is two parts whiskey, one part simple syrup, one part uh, lemon juice. And uh, and then it has an ounce of, or more, uh, of red wine floated on top. So you serve that whiskey sour on the rocks, and then you take some red wine. Uh, preferably like a fruity red wine, a sweet kind of, you know, red wine with a, a lot of body to it. And you uh, float that on top of the whiskey sour and it creates a really nice layered effect. I'm serving mine on the rocks in a rocks glass. Um, and uh, it really creates a, a full bodied, fruity, sweet and tart cocktail uh, with a lot of variation to it. And uh, what's nice is that you can take a shallow pull and just get a little bit of the red wine off the top. Um, and it, that kind of tastes a little bit like a sangria. And then you can just do a deep pull all the way through and get a full bodied um, uh, um cocktail and and you know what matthew i'm gonna have to go back and look at our show notes because now that i'm saying this out loud i'm remembering another cocktail that had layers on it and i'm wondering if i've already made this one i don't think so i think you had talked about about doing it and then do forgot the wine and it just became a whiskey sour Uh, there's been a few that you've had to pull through though yes you've had to do some but i don't think it was this one i don't remember but all right well well, you know what it's a favorite and it's easy to make and uh you know my apologies if it's a rehash but um there you go. That's what I'm drinking. So when you say a, a, a red wine, you know, I live in wine country and there are, you know, several varieties. There's the Cabernet Sauvignon. There's the Merlot. There's the yeah, Pinot Noir. Like, I'm yeah, thinking of Merlot. Like Merlot. Would, yeah, I was going to say Merlot yeah. would probably be the right, right one yeah, to go with that. Yeah, it's exactly right. A Merlot or, uh, yeah, I, yeah. the others I think are a little too... Um, too heavy, huh? Too heavy, yes. Yeah. For yeah. sure, for sure. All right. Well, that sounds lovely. I have yet to make one of those. Uh, I will, and I've got plenty of wine, so uh, I'm gonna have to dabble in that. But yeah, this is a great way to burn off some some excess wine. Uh, you know, if you don't want to make a sangria, this is another way to do it. All right, uh, for sure. Well, you know, we we today's episode is really about looking back. We unfortunately have nothing really to chew or for right now other than the fact that we'd like the Dodgers to lose. And uh, so far, so good. Game two hero for the NLCS, uh, Eddie Rosario. Uh, it was fun to see that he has a connection to the Giants, although remotely, is that he was actually traded to the Braves this season for Pablo Sandoval. And Wait, so the Braves traded Sandoval away? Yes, uh, for and they got Ed- Eddie Rosario. Yes. 
And and wow. I, there might have been another player involved. Now that I think about it, because then then uh, Sandoval was cut. I think very soon afterwards. So I think it was just a salary dump on the Braves' part. Like the Red Sox had to, or the Indians was it the Indians? I think it was the Indians had to uh, pull take Panda's salary or something. But so there was something kind Not of great. tricky about that. But I'm just going with that he was traded for Panda, and uh, which you know made made you know the the game winning hit against the Dodgers feel like it was you know maybe a, a giant had a hand in it. So that was an interesting little take on that. But anyway, I digress. Uh, yes. Yeah. Looking back is what we're doing right now uh, because you know I think we need to really look at a 107 win season and and re- reminisce and kind of uh, maybe also explore some of our early takes on this team. Uh, I, I think. You know, we wouldn't be the only ones that were way off base in some of our predictions. Uh, but I think also we, we had some things that were, were actually pretty, uh, if not exactly spot on. I think, I think we, were, we were more bullish on the Giants and particularly certain players and others. So I just, I definitely wanted to, to do that. But first, our, our, our prediction of wins. Uh, both of us were a little off the mark. What are you talking about? I nailed mine very early in the season. <laughs> That's right. Yes, they blew through 79 wins in uh, by what? By uh, what? I want to say April, May. <laughs> I was. No. I think it was July. July. July but but uh, it so yeah. felt like we were we were way beyond uh, 79 wins uh, pretty early on. Yeah. Uh, and I just I want you to defend that because. Uh, <laughs> What were you thinking? What was I thinking? Yes. Well, okay, look, first of all, uh, it's not like what I was thinking was was ridiculous, right? Like the rest of the world was the rest of the world was picking them to pick win less games than that, quite frankly. So, so first of all, my prediction was actually optimistic compared to what both pundits and you know all of these computer projections were were projecting that they were going to win so it's not like my my pick was crazy but 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 i think it's a good question because i was way off and 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 what was i thinking because unlike all of those other people i'm i'm totally willing to own my mistakes and and understand and and admit where i went wrong and i went wrong in a number of places obviously but um, let's just start with the core. I did not anticipate Buster Posey, Evan Longoria, Brandon Crawford, and Brandon Belt. I didn't anticipate two of the guy, those guys having a good year. Um, and what I anticipated was that they were going to be hurt. They were going to be hurt a lot. And they were. Yeah, I was going to say, you weren't, you weren't wrong there. I wasn't wrong there, but I also anticipated that when they were going to be back, they were not going to be very productive. And, um, you know, first of all, Buster Posey, I mean, I know they tried really, really hard to keep him healthy all season, but they did, right? The guy was there the entire season except for, uh, what, he had that injury to his thumb? I can't remember. Oh, right, yes, yes, it was his Mm -hmm. thumb, yep. Yeah, Um. And and so he was out for a brief period of time. That was also around there, the All All Star break, so I think it was fortuitous. That oh, he, that's right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and in fact, he had to miss the All Star game because of it. Yeah. Um. And then you know, and then Crawford, I, I'm sure he missed a few games for an oblique because everybody did. Yes. Uh, I missed a couple of games because of an oblique. I think. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, Same. 
And, uh, but you know, the, the remarkable thing, I, I think, except for Longoria, when he came back in September, they were all fantastic. And they all just, you know, they, they really took to this new, um, approach and this, you know, whatever the coaches were, were selling, they were buying and they were totally on board. And, and I think in a lot of ways, they helped lead that charge for the younger group as well. Um, and the group that, of, you know, uh, of a lot of journeymen that the Giants brought in, uh, they helped, you know, get those guys on board as well. So that was the, that was the main thing that I missed. The second thing that I, I missed was the starting rotation, which I think was, was, I think, the biggest reason why this Giants team was so good, especially during, at least during the first half. Right. And the, the starting rotation really carried the Giants in the first half. And, and I, again, you know, if you go back and listen to our show, you'll hear me talk about what I expect to get out of Wood, Aaron Sanchez, and um, and and Anthony Desclafani. Um, my expectation was that one of them was going to get hurt and we were never going to see him again. Unfortunately, that did end up happening to Aaron Sanchez, but I anticipated that happening much earlier in the season. I thought it was going to be Alex Wood, and I thought Alex Wood was never going to make an appearance. Yeah, the dude, the dude had an ablation, right? Remember, we actually made a, I, I actually made a cocktail in his honor because yeah, you, know, you burn your nerves in your back, and you're not expected yeah. to pitch a whole season, right? Yeah, I've had a whole I've had a whole baseball season to think about that, and it still sounds horrible, Matthew. <laughs> they burned away the nerves in his back with like sound waves. Like I don't, that's not something that you should just come back from and just be like, yeah, I'm gonna go strike out millions of dudes in Major League Baseball. That's like something that you'd be like. I'm never going to walk again. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, so I didn't anticipate Alex Wood coming back and, and he did, and he was a stalwart of the rotation. Um, and then, and then he got sick with COVID super sick. And then I thought he was done. And then no, he fooled me again and, uh, and came back, you know? Um, and I figured, okay, so one guy's going to miss, miss is not going to be productive at all. One guy is going to be not productive and then get hurt. One guy might, and then one guy might pan out. And, and you know, I was completely and totally wrong. The, the games that Sanchez did appear in, and there were very few of them, he was good. Like the top the top four guys of that rotation, and then Logan Webb. Logan Webb was really, at the beginning of the season, not not really great. And then, and then he kind of lost his spot in the rotation. And then Cueto fit in really quite nicely. So, so that's the second thing that I missed. The third thing that I missed was... Damn, you missed a lot. I did. Well, that's how you go 79 <laughs> wins to 107, Matthew. I mean, what do you want? That's 20, 28 wins I was off by. <laughs> okay, granted, yes. All right, I'm sorry I interrupted. What was the third thing <laughs> that you were wrong about? You were off by 21, bro. <laughs> so we're coming to you. All right, I'll explain myself. I'll explain. Uh, the next thing, yeah, was the, was the bullpen. The Giants' bullpen was the best bullpen in the National League in terms of ERA. Don't believe it. I don't believe it either. I still don't believe it. And and I still don't think that truly represents the quality of the bullpen. I, I think they were still, you know, I think the fact that Curvin Castro and Camilo Duvall were your two of your top five relievers, and they weren't, you know, they were, you know, Curvin Castro didn't play until September. They were Rule 5 protectees, dem- yeah. Yeah, your Rule 5 protectees ended up being pivotal parts of your postseason roster. I think that demonstrates how 
uncertain and much of a merry-go-round that kind of that bullpen was. But that was another big miss, right? I think in the second half, it was really the offense and the bullpen that carried and Logan Webb that that carried this team. Yeah. And so the first half was all about the starting rotation. The second half was about the bullpen and the lineup and Logan Webb. And I missed all of those things. You know, like I just didn't think any one of those things was going to come together. And and I think even one of them coming together, I, I would not I would have been like, oh, good. You know, I'm wrong. And, and they they win. They're above 500 and they compete for the wild card. Um, boy, was I wrong. Let's <laughs> um, shout out to odd ones out. If anybody knows who that one is, just a random total out of left field uh, call to a different medium. Uh, <laughs> boy, was I wrong. Um, so, yeah, Matthew, that's why I was wrong, because I missed everything. Right. Why were you wrong? Well, uh, my my prediction was 86 wins and you know going into that that thought process was around how we finished uh 2020. And you know we were only uh what two games under 500. We had a chance to make the playoffs in the final game of the season. Got screwed over by an umpire. Did little did we know that that was, you know, <laughs> going to be foreshadowing for 2021. But I felt like, and and they played uh, much. You know, they started off the season something like eight and sixteen or something like that uh, in 2020. And so I felt like, you know, by they had played good baseball. And so for me, was that they had already proven they were a good team, and that they were going to be able to sustain some of that. But the biggest wild card for me was they did all of that the previous season with Joey Bart and Chadwick Trump. And I'm probably forgetting somebody else who was their catchers at the time. And 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 Buster Posey coming back to me was if he could be just a average catcher uh, and and we could continue to build on what we had already built on. And at the time, that was that was, in my mind, Alex Dickerson and and Yastrzemski continuing to play key roles, uh, and and then yeah, they could be above 500, and they could be you know, they could be challenging for that second wild card. That was my thought, and I didn't feel like that was a stretch. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like that was a logistical you know thinking of how the Giants could 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 uh, could achieve right. you know something other <laughs> than what everybody else was thinking. Uh, where I was wrong was I think that I well I definitely miss uh miss misunderstood the level of depth that the Giants had this year uh and because like you I felt like okay yeah definitely there are going to be some guys that are going to get injured we've got some old dudes I had no idea that we had guys like Lamont Wade Jr. And, you know, that Darren Ruff was going to play such an important part, that we were going to get offense from virtually every... I mean, we set a major league record for most players hitting at least five home runs, you know, uh, in a season. And so I, I, I definitely did not... I was wrong to think that we wouldn't be able to overcome any, any injuries. Uh, I certainly, while I expected Buster Posey to make a difference... I didn't expect him to make the difference that he made. I, I certainly was not expecting him to be uh, the. Um, <laughs> I certainly was not expecting him to be uh, the the all star that that he was. And 
my cat just made an appearance. You got a rough crowd back there, man. Yes, yeah. yes. He's wondering what what's going on because I'm recording in a different area than I normally record, and <laughs> yeah, cats are all about uh, about routines. But uh, but yeah, so I was wrong. I, I think that I was definitely wrong at the bullpen. I I was con- I was I've I'm outside of. Well, I, actually, I listened back to our to our episodes that we were going right before the season started, and we we actually broke down the bullpen reluctantly. And the reason we broke down the bullpen reluctantly is because we hadn't heard of most of the guys on the team, and so it was a little hard to talk about relievers that you could just look at their stats and go, "Well, I guess they had a okay season once in their career." Uh, and so, and then and then the opening day gut punch only reinforced that they were awful, right? And and so uh, I certainly miss, miss, uh, miss, mistook the bullpen for being anything other than what it was. And, and it was, you know, ended up being a very solid bullpen. So I think those, that's where I, I really, um, you know, I, 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 was, I was wrong. I didn't think that the, the, the Giants had the depth to overcome injuries to their old guys, which they certainly did. And I didn't think our bullpen was ever going to be effective and that we were going to lose a lot of games on the back end. And, and that wasn't necessarily the case. In fact, you know, we won a lot of games because of our of our bullpen. Now I'm being bothered by my cat. <laughs> now I have I have three cats and, and two of them one of them is named Ginny, and interestingly enough, she's not Ginny named after the Giants. No. Which which is strange because my She's other orange cats, too, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And my other cats are named Posey and and Wilson, and I think as I told our listeners, they're both about ten or eleven years old. So, you know, you guys do the math. <laughs> and uh yeah no wilson is here he's demanding his treats uh if you're wondering is wilson super shaggy yes yes he is <laughs> that's right um you could live in his mane um uh could you be a lumberjack cutting it down with a, a saw perhaps <laughs> so we're, we're cat lovers listeners if you hear the cats let's just yeah the way it is. yeah right. yeah and Okay, he's he's leaving. Wilson is Wilson is leaving right. unhappily. He'll get he his treats later. He wants to know where his World Series ring is. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, that's a real tight callback. Kudos <laughs> to the fans that get that one. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I mean the bullpen. I think the bullpen in many ways was the biggest surprise to me. But it was it was a work in progress. I mean, remember Wandy Peralta? Remember Matt Whistler? Remember Sam Selman? Remember? Uh, yeah, there was uh, what was it? Jimmy Scherfe. Oh, Jimmy Scherfe. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Sam was... Selman and Scherfe. Do they both pitch for the Dodgers this year? I think. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, um, I think those are like the second and third pitchers to ever pitch for both the Giants and Dodgers in the same season. I think the, like first the first and second two. actually. I first think the second. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. they were. The, that was the first time. Uh, so 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 yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, look, there, there were so many things about this team that were a surprise that that when you look back at those early projections, you can say, OK, this it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I think you look back at that and you realize, OK, these were calculated gambles that the Giants made. Right. They made calculated gambles on these hitters and um and, and they believed in their core of veterans and they came to them and they said, look, if we think if you guys make these changes, we think it'll make you better. And they obviously believed in the, that, those starting pitchers. Otherwise, they wouldn't have signed them. I, I think and I think what 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 happened was, is that everything that they saw and everything that they committed to doing and and got those players to do worked. And so it's not like any of those things were 
um, complete surprises. They weren't a surprise, let's say, to the Giants front office and to the Giants coaching staff, right? But yeah, well, you mentioned coaching staff. The other thing that blows me away is that prior to this season, if you had asked me what impact a major league coaching staff has on their players, I would have told you that probably little to none. Correct. And, and you know, because generally... You know, the hitting coach and the pitching coach. I mean, you know, what are they going to teach a guy that's been around for 10 years, right? I mean, they're they're there to kind of just make sure that the players get support. And it's just, mm-hmm. at least that was the way it used to be. The Giants have turned that on its head and are, you know, they have, they have, they have brought in guys that had no major league experience. Many of these guys, these they were known mm-hmm. in the baseball world, but not in the in the majors coaching realm. And which all- historically is a no no, right? Historically, I mean, it was a huge a lot, risk, right? Right, and historically, a lot of major league baseball players will will look at those people and say, "I'm not even going to talk to that person," right? Because they don't know what it's like. And right, and and kudos to guys like Crawford. And Belt and, you know, guys that really bought in to and even Buster Posey, who saw mm-hmm. the, the what was happening from afar when he you know took his year off last year and bought in. And these yeah. guys uh, reaped the benefits of this amazing coaching staff that was able to you know, really help these guys take it to the next level, which was uh, impressive, to say the least. Well, yeah, no, without a doubt. But I I think the other thing that was really interesting about this coaching staff was just how big it was, which, if you think about it, actually makes perfect sense, right? Like, historically speaking, how many hitting coaches do you have? You have one. One, right. Right? The Giants have three, right? I mean, The Giants have three, but then you do the math on that. How many hitters are there on the team at any given time? 14 at the most. Right. So that's one coach for every four to five people, which means that you you have this like dedicated group of people. And, and certainly it also takes into account things like personality and approach. Like if one person's approach or personality isn't going to work with somebody else, they, they have a number of different people for them to work with. And, and that was true across all of the facets of the game. And... And, and and even those parts of the game that aren't, aren't actually parts of the game, like, you know, physical fitness and uh, and just all around like athleticism and training. Right. You know, those things that that any athlete should be focusing on. The Giants had coaches that were dedicated to those things. And then they had coaches that are just completely analytical. Right. They're they're looking at. At, at what the other teams are trying to do to compete against you. They're looking at what the other weaknesses of those are of those people are. And then they're coming back to their players and they're showing those things to the players. And then they're coaching to those things even when they're doing um, the coaching exercises that they do on the field. And so it was just this huge, huge effort to really give the players as much information as they could in a in a way that was um, not alienating to the players, right? Because they had to buy into it, and and I think that made such a massive difference. I I, I think this was a team unlike we have ever seen before, and um, and it really is interesting to me to see how this will play out into the future as this organization evolves. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I assume and I hope that this is something that's being 
maintained throughout the entire organization, right? And, um, you know, certainly maybe not, you know, every team has this many coaches, but I, but I think there are coaches that are kind of universal to the organization overall and are applying some of these same techniques. And I think uh, it, it, it only bodes well for the organization in the future. So, yes, I think that's totally something that you and I had absolutely no insight into whatsoever. Right. And, and I, you know, you talk about three batting coaches. Uh, part of me is worried now that one of those guys is going to get poached by another major league team, because that's usually what happens, right? A, a team shows some success and other teams want to grab onto that success. And I know it definitely happens in the NFL. Uh, you know, I'm not so sure how much it's traditionally happened in the major leagues in Major League Baseball, but I could see it happening. And I'm hoping that the Giants will pay their coaches enough to make it worth their while to, to be, be there. I, I think it's inevitable. One, I think it's inevitable that people will be hired away. I, I Just because, right, like, you know, a lot of people want to be the guy or move up and advance. And when you're in an organization that big with that many people, it's it's hard to do that. So I think that's inevitable. People are going to be hired away for positions that they wouldn't otherwise be able to get. Um, and I think that has, you know, money, money goes some ways, but not the whole way. Um, so I think we can expect that. On the other hand, baseball is a very stubborn sport. It takes a long time for people to come around. I mean, Billy Bean... Um, and Paul um, De Podesta, De Podesta uh, started Moneyball. Well, they didn't even start Moneyball, right? I mean, their ideas were already in the game. But, you know, Billy Bean made it famous with those A's teams uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, there and was even a movie before teams. Right, right. And I think it took, and it took what? The San Francisco Giants 20 years to, to, to switch over. <laughs> I should, say, I should say there was a book first, then the movie. But yes, yes there, there was. was a book. And a, yeah, but what you know, but it, it took a long, long time. And I think there's a lot of fans and a lot of still people in the game who still don't believe in that stuff. You know, a, a lot of players, too. And so, you know, it, it, it the game changes very, very slowly. So the good news is I think the Giants right now are on the cutting edge of a new age of baseball. I think in terms of the way the game is managed, in the way that the game is coached, in, in, and even in how teams are assembled, right? Totally. I, I think yeah. it's, it's less about getting the superstar than it is finding the right piece that fits in to the pieces that you already have that can be got at a bargain value. Right. 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 And, and, and that's why these things work. I mean, that's why Moneyball worked, because people were undervaluing certain skills. And so they were able to get guys who were able to win baseball games because other people in the sport did not recognize that these players were valuable. I think in the same way, the Giants have discovered something very similar and um, and have found a way to apply that to the organization. And I expect that they will continue to win this way for a significant period of time. Other teams will eventually begin to adapt, but it's going to take a while. So I, I, I assume, you know, I think what you'll see is some of these coaches get hired away and other people will be like, how did you do it? And they'll say, well, we did it like this. And the organizations will be like, oh, nah, we're not going to do it like that. <laughs> how about you just hire half as many coaches? And, uh, you know, I, I expect you'll see some of that. So, well, I, 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 think, I think that's that's a good point in that, yes, you know, so the Cardinals actually fired uh, their manager, uh, Schilt, 
uh, Mike Schilt uh, this this season for philosophical reasons, and we since learned that he didn't want to uh, really embrace some of the analytics that the front office of the Cardinals was was wanting to embrace. Uh, interestingly enough, the Padres are now interviewing him for <laughs> their their vacancies. So. So the good, Padres, right? <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, I, I I think in a lot of ways we talked about this already. I think the Padres are a traditionally built team. Yeah. Right. Go look at their payroll. Right. Um. And and look at how much money they have invested into a very small unit co- core of guys. One of whom's elbow keeps popping out of his socket all the time. So you know, one of whom is really old and is going to be paid thirty million dollars a year for the next six years. Not really old, but he's getting old. Right. And and will probably be overpaid for half of his 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 contract. Um, the yeah, I think the Padres, the Padres, I think to many people seemed like they were one of these teams on the cutting edge. But now that I look at them and, and look at how they built this roster and the guy that the guys that they're talking about bringing in Schilt, Ron Washington. Right. Um, to me are even more surprising choices than somebody like Bruce Bochy, who I thought they would pursue. And maybe they are, and maybe Bruce Bochy's like, no, I'm literally retired. Like, I, I, I'm actually retired. That wasn't a joke. I'm retired. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's the deal there. But, but the the point is, is that they seem to be taking a step back into that old approach. Now, that old approach can work. It certainly has worked. Like, like the Giants did not embrace all of this analytics, and they won three World Series. Right. Right. So, so it's not to say that that doesn't work. That approach isn't going to work. But I, I think what it is is that it's the more expensive, more obvious approach. And I think the Giants have happened to, not happened upon something. It's not like they accidentally found it. <laughs> they they believed in it. But I think the Giants have found something different and unique, and they're on the cutting edge. Right. And uh, and I expect them to continue to to play and build their roster this way. Yeah. Well, I, I do too. And I think you know the Giants have uh, the Padres are are they're looking to they bet big and and they hope that their bet pays off where the Giants have kind of hedged their bets over a lot of different players and I think that that's you know this year at least proved to be uh, a more effective strategy because um, you know they, they they were able to to predict more. yeah I mean I mean it's just like you know I mean if you think about it you make a lot of little bets it's much more likely that that some of them are gonna pay off and honestly that's how a lineup works yeah right your superstar only comes up once every nine at bats right right. And and so if your team averages a batting average of 275, is that because you have a guy hitting 380 and another guy hitting 210? Right. 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 Or two guys or is it because, hitting 275. Or is it because you have guys hitting 270? And if both of those guys are hitting 270, hitting back to back, you have a much more likelihood of both of them getting a hit than you did in the other scenario. And that's why this works, because really to score runs, you need both of them to get a hit. And that's why it works. And that's why it's a better approach to have this more uh, even output across your lineup. Um, and and I think we've probably reached the point where those guys who are average are undervalued yeah. relative to the superstars who are significantly overvalued. Yeah, I agree. And it'll be interesting to see how the Giants were able to take advantage of that. Uh, will other teams start to? And then what will that do to the market? So interesting things. Well, to inevitably, kinda... yeah. I mean, inevitably, inevitably the market adjusts <laughs> and, and those people become more expensive in the same way that the Giambis of the world became right. more expensive. And then the A's are going to be like, crap. Right. I mean, because then uh, 
<laughs> right. Uh, yeah, because this is probably what Billy Bean has been doing for the last five years. Because where did Farhan Zaidi come from? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like, you know, when in doubt, go look what Billy Bean's doing. Totally. Okay, so... So we also had some other, uh, I was looking, I, I actually did some research and listened back to our first few episodes, which was honestly a little painful. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, some of it was based on the fact that our audio was terrible. Others was the fact that we kept calling the Sacramento River Cats the Mud Cats. Like, I mean, there Wait, was... they're not the Mud Cats? They're not the Mud Cats. And uh, we mm. did that over like two different episodes, which was kind of hilarious. I, I you know, every time, every time between, the, I remember that, every time between the episodes, I'd be like... That's the wrong name, doofus. And then, and then we get to the episode, and I would totally forget. Yeah, I, me too. I, and so, anyway, that. Uh, but what I what I what I found interesting was learning or hearing and remembering our hopes for certain players. We ended one of our episodes uh, mm. with our hopes and desires right. for certain players, and and so the first one uh, I'll go first was was Buster Posey, and I said. I hope that we see the Buster Posey that resembles 2017 Buster, which was the last time that he was truly productive. And uh, and you mentioned, you said, I think we all want that. That was, and you were sincere. You were mm-hmm. like, oh, we all want that. But mm-hmm. I don't feel like you really believed it was going to happen. And and I didn't I wasn't sure for yeah, sure. No, and and I, I I didn't either. I was hopeful. Part of me was like, well, he had a year of rest, maybe he'll feel a little bit better, you know? Uh, but the other part of me was like nobody takes a year off and is a, you know, uh does better than they did in their, you know, during their best years. So, uh but boy, I was happy. I, you know, my hopes were were achieved and more. Right? I mean, Buster yeah. produced in a way that I could never have imagined. This season is Buster Posey's exclamation point on his Hall of Fame career. Right. I mean, yeah. and, you know, I think. I mean, he could have three, four more good years in him. Right. I mean, look at Yadier, who's going to have one more year after this. Right. He's three years older than Buster. There's no reason that Buster couldn't continue to play at his level, or at least Yadier's level, for another three or four seasons. And if he does, there's no doubt he's a Hall of Famer. But I think this is the year that sealed it. Agreed. Um, Although, you know, there's something to be said about a man who takes a year off during a pandemic to take care of his newborn twins. Oh, I mean, the man Buster Posey is a Hall of Famer already. Right. I mean, that's a that is a that's a Hall of Fame move right there. Right. But then I think to come back after that. Right. After any season off. Um, But I think I mean, I think people will factor that in. They'll look back at the 2020 season and they'll be like, he chose to take a year off when he didn't have to for that reason. Yeah. And then not only did he do that job, which was obviously super important to him, but he also got himself healthy. He got himself back into the, you know, the shape that he needed to be in to perform as an elite player at an elite sport. And, and he bought into this new system, and then he led his organization to the most wins that they'd ever had in the franchise history. And, you know, as the veteran leader, you know, I, I don't know. I think I made a few references to it during the show, but I don't know if I did. I know I texted to, to you a few times. But after, after Belt got hurt and, and he had done the whole captain thing, there were a few times where Buster Posey had these monster hits. And I texted to you, will the real captain please stand up? Yeah. And and 
and that is not a takeaway for, from from Brandon Belt and and what he did and how that contributed to the team. But but that's just that's just how it 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 is with Buster Posey. That's how Buster Posey leads, right by example. And uh, what a magical season for him. And uh, and and I think yeah, I mean he's a Hall of Famer now because of this season. It's no doubt. I, for me, it was no doubt before this, but but this this is this is the thing that should make him a a surefire Hall of Famer um, for for anybody who votes for him in the future. So what a magical season, right? And yeah, I mean we could go on and on about Buster, uh, but he uh, I think he has solidified. Yeah, yeah, his yeah, way. yeah. But let's talk about the one that I was right on. Right, right. So yes, let's do that because uh, and we you actually got quite inebriated over this over the course of the year. I got inebriated and I I got I got I ended up mushing Brandon Logan Posey Webb into <laughs> uh, into a Buster Webb Crawford uh, yes. Belt well, when, when I posed this question about what we were excited about, you specifically said you were excited to see what. Logan Webb could become as a giant. <laughs> that was I, your, was, I that, was excited. Yeah, I was excited. And and you know you had already said thirteen wins, and you were all in on that. Yeah. But then you yeah. doubled down and said that you were you know you chose Webb as the player that you were excited to see the yeah. most. So so now sit back and and tell us how good it feels to be right on that. Uh, well, I mean, it, it feels epically good. I mean, I, I think every every Giants fan knows that Logan Webb is our ace. Yeah. He is our 24-year-old, battle-proven, playoff-tested ace who not only can throw has great stuff with amazing movement, but is a pitcher who can use his three pitches to great effectiveness and and change his whole look from at bat to at bat or game to game and i think the whole world saw that in his two games that he pitched against the Dodgers but we saw that i for for 20 starts after the all-star break um when when he really truly found himself and um i mean it it's just it it is it's so you know this is what we've been waiting for matthew i i think as as fans as longtime fans of a team you know y- you wait for these moments where where a will clark or a tim lincecum or a buster posey finally shows up and this was that moment with logan webb logan webb has arrived he's here and it's such a great feeling to watch and see and know that you know have all of this expectation and then have that expectation be realized and i think for logan webb even um you know uh, um blown away right? right i think he went way beyond what people expected him to do yeah well he wasn't even an original member of the rotation at the beginning of the year no he wasn't he wasn't and i i think he should have been i think that was a i think that it was, was a numbers a tough... game right they wanted to give it sanchez and woods and disclafani and, and, and you can't all... take anything away from those guys no. not not any one of them right, right? yeah like... he hadn't wood hadn't earned it yet or webb rather hadn't earned it yet and no, and only got the opportunity because wood had his ablation 
right? Right, and, and was... then and then he didn't he didn't grab the bull by the horns, now did he? <laughs> no. Logan Webb did not. He did not start off the the season looking like the the the, the guy that he was when he ended it. Um, but, but, you know, whatever it was, whatever they were whispering into his ear and, and, and obviously his, you know, the, 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 the person that he is and able to listen to that and translate that into results, uh, was the right thing yeah. because, you know, he just needed one little extra polish and 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 I think it's you know the sky's the limit for him. It's interesting you say that because I remember there were a few times during the season where Webb had pitched well, but Kapler refused to to, to praise him and said we expect more, <laughs> more from him. Yeah, we can he can do better. And and <laughs> I and do at, remember those. And at the time I was like, man, that's like harsh. But you know, he obviously knows his player and knows. You know, what needs to motivate Logan Webb and knew what was inside Logan Webb. And I think at some point, and that was also maybe coincided with him getting some rest from his shoulder. uh, Mm -hmm. But at some point, uh, something clicked for him where he trusted his stuff and that he didn't have to be so fine. And he could throw his changeup and his slider and his his fastball and that major league hitters weren't going to be able to hit it. It seems like, you know, I I wonder, like, I don't know, and I don't want to boil it down to this this tiny little simple thing but it almost seems to me like this is it trust your talent yeah trust your talent camilo duvall that fastball it's real wicked yeah throw it in the strike zone don't don't go back to your slider all of the time right trust that fastball let it do what it does and even when it doesn't go in the strike zone it terrifies people so it's still a good thing. Well, you know, Brandon Belt, be Brandon Belt. If you don't like that pitch, don't swing at it. Right. And, I, you know, I have a master's degree in sports psychology. And I don't think that you're making too little of a deal of that. I, I think that I think that believing in your your stuff is just as important, particularly right. when you have it. Right. I mean, you well, know, and so yeah. they obviously have the stuff and the ability. And it's just a matter of believing in it is. And, and they were able to tap into that. And, and, right. you know, and that's beyond just physical coaching. That's like that's like that's like master level, Ph.D. Right. level kind of coaching there. And that's and that's what Logan Webb did in game one of the National League Division Series against the Dodgers. Oh, it was right? filthy. And, and what he threw every ball in the strike zone. Yeah, I'm going to throw you my third best pitch in the strike zone. Hit but it. you don't know my it's going to be my third best pitch. You don't know what's coming, and it's really good anyway. So even if you do manage to get the bat on the ball, it's not going to do much. So I'm going to just I'm just going to put everything that I have in the bottom third of the strike zone, and because I trust myself, I trust my talent, and that seems to be what the Giants really were asking every single one of these guys to do. Yeah, don't nibble. Yeah, don't don't. Don't expand. Don't expand your strike zone. Don't nibble at the corners. Don't try to get people to fish. Attack. Attack. Yeah. And uh, and, and they got the results. They had the fewest walks. The bullpen had the fewest yeah. walks of any bullpen in the National League. So, yeah, definitely, definitely we're on to something there. Right. So, yeah. So, okay, so we had we had really great results with Posey and Webb as we were looking forward to. There were a couple that were not. I'm never wrong, Matthew. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to admit that I was wrong. 
Well, I don't know if I was wrong, but I was hopeful, uh, and 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 that you know, Austin Slater was a guy that I tabbed as hopefully being someone that could be counted on, uh, and to take that next step because in 2020 he actually had a pretty good year. I mean, he had an OPS plus of of 151 over that 60 game season. I mean, he was he had a really good 2020, even though you know over 60 games, uh, and, and actually only played in 31 out of those 60 games. So it was towards the end he actually came on. It seemed like he had been building up, and we, I was really hopeful that he would continue to take that next step in 2021, and he really didn't. I mean, he contributed at times. He had 12 home runs, but his OPS Plus was 101, so which kind of labels mm-hmm. him as an average Major League player. And mm-hmm. so I was really hoping for more than that. I think the Giants were too, because they really uh, they really struggled to, to settle in on an everyday center fielder or at least someone that was regularly playing in center field. They used a lot of different players in center field from, you know, Chris Bryant to Mike Talkman to, uh, I mean, they, you know, to everyone. Yes, so Duggar. Yes, Duggar, Lamont Wade Jr. I mean, there were a lot of center field, Dubon, right? So there was... A lot of people playing center field, and I think they really hoped that uh, Slater would would be the guy, and and he never really put it together. And I'm I'm worried that his time has now passed. Like I feel like at some point, uh, I think he's out of options. So that kind of that kind of detract. That detracts from some of his value, uh, and and I feel like the Giants might go after someone else to fill that role because it certainly wasn't Slater. I agree. I mean, I, I think this was really... I, honestly, I felt like it was a year more than I thought that he 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 deserved. I mean, he was 28th year this year. This was his 28th year. Um, and, and typically, if a guy hasn't arrived by the time he's, he's 27... Although, like you said, he did. He did have a very good 2020 season. And uh, his OPS Plus was 151. His offensive war was was actually better this year with a, with a 1.2... Um, but his OPS plus this year was a one Oh one, which means he was average, which he was major league average, which is pretty darn good. I mean, that, that means that, that you're one of the best in the world at doing what you do and you're better than half of those people. Yeah. So, so the team does really well with a lot of average guys. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, let's not diminish where, where he is. And so, I, I mean, I think Slater is a great, is a great major league baseball player. The the problem is, is 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 that he doesn't have any options left, and he's not he's not a breakthrough player, and and so yeah, I mean he's going to become one of those guys. Like sure, I'd love to keep him on the roster, but as soon as push comes to shove, I'm going to have to DFA him because there's nothing else that I can do with him. And uh, I think he will come back for the Giants next year. I think he will be part of the mix, and he might even make the opening day roster. But, you know, he's going to be one of those guys that I think is... is he's going to be a Mike Talkman. He's going to be a... going to be a Mike Talkman, yeah. And he's moving into that category. I think also in that category, he's a, he's a year younger, or um, is Steven Duggar. Mm-hmm. The thing about Duggar is, Duggar is... Duggar is the best center fielder the Giants have on their roster right now. And, um, and, and Duggar had a slightly better year this year offensively. But uh, well, you know, you know, Starling you Marte. Know. There are there are other people out there that can play. Center yeah, field. I mean, well, that's and what so. I'm saying. Well, yes, and and I mean, I basically I think these two guys are the right-handed and left-handed versions of each other. Yeah. Um. You know, and I, I think I think both of them could be replaced by one guy. Um. You know, uh, who who's not even a, who's a bench player, right? I mean, th- th- this guy could be re- these two guys could be replaced by one guy who's a bench player. Totally, totally. Right, and and so I don't think the Giants need both of them. 
right? I think both of them is a luxury. And so um, I, I think both of them will start the, the season with the Giants and, and certainly will be there in spring training. But I don't know who makes the roster. And I don't know who lasts the season. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, it, it, I would have liked to see either Duggar or Slater break through this year, and, and neither of them did. Right. And and I think someone else that you know could be lumped into that, and you picked him as someone that you were intrigued or hopeful about, was Mauricio Dubon. Mauricio. And oh, so, man. so talk a little bit about Mauricio. I mean, he's a little younger, but he's uh, a little bit younger. But but really has never had anything better than an average major league season this year he was definitely below average earned himself a demotion and we never saw him again yeah i mean the guy is is i i think the giants had hoped for more from him offensively quite yeah. honestly i i they, they traded for him i think they traded drew pomeranz for him to the brewers i don't remember who exactly they traded to get Mauricio, but they got him for a relative bargain right with a rental player and um, yeah, it was Drew Pomeranz for Ray Black and Drew Pomeranz, and and he was a he was a somewhat highly touted prospect from the Brewers. Um, he wasn't great, but he wasn't horrible. And and the way the Giants were were building him out was to be a super sub, right? The man can play five different positions. He can play all of the outfield positions. Plus, he can also play uh, uh, shortstop and second base. He could probably also play third base. I think he may have. If, I think he played it, a few innings. Yeah, there. yeah. And he could probably be an emergency catcher. So he's that kind of guy. Um, the thing with him was is that even though his de- his defense is quite good, and I'm looking at his defensive war over the last two seasons, and it's pretty darn good. It's 0.6 and 0.4. Anybody who has a positive defensive war is great. That means they're, they're winning games for you on the defensive side of the ball. Um, he, he, is, he is really, really good. Um, but the problem was he really took a regression at the plate this year, just was absolutely silent at the plate and he is mistake prone. He is mistake prone both on, in two places that I saw, uh, repeatedly this season and last season, which is when he's running the bases, he's prone to make base running mistakes and he's really prone to messing up the transfer from when he moves the ball from his glove hand to his throwing hand. He drops the ball a lot there. And and that really seemed to... Both of those things happened at the same time that he was in the middle of a hitting slump. And that's why we saw him and that's why he never came back. Yeah. And, um, and you know, he did okay with Sacramento after that, but, you know, Tyro Estrada established himself as being ahead of him, rightfully so. Um, not as diverse, you know, as, as Maurizio, but, but the man can play second and shortstop and he can hit. And, and he's not a liability out there defensively. You never know when he's going to make a mistake that costs you the game. And, uh, and unfortunately, Dubon has these, these question marks. Um, and, you know, he's either, he's either got to, I, I think he's got more time, like he's, but he's probably going to start next year in Sacramento. And, and if he wants to salvage his career, he's got to come out hot, hitting the bat, hitting the ball. Yeah. And and then if he if he comes to the majors, he's got to make zero mistakes. Totally. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, I think he's running out of time. But uh, yeah, we'll see. And it'll be, I, I think it's what's going to be the key is uh, there's a lot of open slots on the 40 man uh, over, you know, the offseason. And what did the Giants do to, you know, they were a little weak at shortstops while they brought in Tyro Estrada. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, how are they going to balance all that out? And, um, you know, and I, it'll that'll probably play the role in what happens to Debone. Um so having said that, so there was uh, just also now reflecting on on the season, uh, a couple of of players I think really uh, presented themselves. Well, some of the I think you know one was Duvall. Uh, mm-hmm. We touched on him a little bit, but mm-hmm. but I think you know one of the great things that came out of this season was that the Giants now have a legitimate closer. For yeah. 2022, and it wasn't too long ago that we were begging for a trade for Craig Kimbrell or yep. someone like that, and now we don't need to do that, right? That's Correct. one less position now that we have to worry about. Yeah, that position is filled. It's Camilo Duvall. Camilo Duvall is your closer. If something goes wrong, you've got Jake McGee in there for another year. Yeah, yeah, and Agreed. then and then on that note too, you, we touched on this earlier, but I or. Uh, maybe it was in a conversation we had uh, elsewhere, but I think you know Lamont Wade Jr. when when he was traded you know in the offseason to the Giants uh, for uh, uh, drawing a blank on the guy's name, but he's been since been traded like several times. Um, Sean Anderson. Thank you, Sean Anderson. Uh, yeah, I think everybody had questions about whether Lamont Wade was a quadruple A player. Like like I, I you know there was some thought that maybe this is that he'd already reached his ceiling that he didn't have any power and uh, and yet the giants again goes back to their coaching staff and their philosophy but they were able to unleash a Lamont Wade Jr that nobody had seen before mm-hmm. i think that you know if you look at the outfield the outfield is very unsettled going into next year uh, Chris Bryant is a free agent. Uh, you know, yes, Yastrzemski will be there, but he's probably the only for sure guy uh, that would be a you know a significant starter on, on in the outfield. But now you have Lamont Wade Jr. and you got to figure that Lamont has played his way into a pivotal role for 2022. Oh yeah, I mean he's going to be on the major league roster, and I think he's going to continue to be a first base outfielding guy. He was absolutely a breakthrough. Um, for the Giants, I, I think, you know, uh, um, focusing on what he did in the past for the Giants, I mean, late night Lamont, late night Lamont. I mean, I think, you know, and, and, and there was a period again, like, you know, I mean, one of the things about the Giants that they did this year was they really stuck by their people. Right. And they were very reluctant to let people go in a permanent way, which I talked about a lot that this was not my philosophy, but I think it makes sense from a just even from a, a, a statistical standpoint, which is like you never know when somebody's going to get hurt. So you don't want to give up people who you could keep in the organization. And I think in a lot of cases, the Giants saw the 40 man roster as almost being the same thing as the 26 man roster. Right. Yeah. If I can keep everybody on my 26 man roster, it's better to to move somebody off of my 26 man to my 40 man, um, which means send them down to triple A than it is to lose somebody else permanently. And and that was really the Giants' philosophy. And, and I think we saw a lot of that with Lamont Wade Jr. when he was the guy on that bubble. And, and I think that was really, I think it, it's a testament to how much of an impact he made right away that fans were upset when he got sent back down that last time. 
But then he got called back immediately because Brandon Belt hurt his knee, and that was it. Lamont Wade Jr. was on the team uh, permanently from that point forward, um, and it became people like Duggar and Slater that were were the guys that were on the bubble. And I think it ended up being Duggar that was the guy that 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 lost out uh, in that situation. Um, you know, but then Duggar ended up being a defensive replacement in center field in the playoffs, right? So I think that was a testament to what they think about Duggar. So, but anyway, the point is, is that, yeah, that's the kind of, he went from being a who for Sean Anderson? No, I mean, Sean Anderson was a guy we all believed in, right? I mean, there was a time where it was like Eric Rodriguez and Sean Anderson were going to be the next guys, right? And, um, did I, did I get that right? Eric Rodriguez? No, um... Who is Ivan's son? Derek. 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 Derek Rodriguez. Right. Derek and Sean Anderson were going to be the the next guys. And, and, uh, and, 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 you know, I think then in in order for him, you know, to get traded away for who this guy, Lamont Wade Jr. is, this, this never will be from the twins. Like what, you know, like, uh, and then, and then, yeah. And then he shows up in mustache may he had with, the best stash man he was the he, only good mustache like he should have kept that. he should have he should have kept he that should, he should just grow it back during the off season just because he can't <laughs> you know it's just because like i can look this good with a mustache on my face that's right and uh everybody loves a clutch hero right right i mean everybody loves a, a, a thriller right and, and and that's what late late night Lamont became, and he was just part of the magic, part of the magic, and uh, yeah, I mean he's absolutely a part of the future for sure. Well, and and I think yeah, you know, he definitely had uh, m- most of his success against uh, right-handers, you know, as a left-handed batter. And I think the big question is, could he evolve into an everyday player? Could he you know hold his own against left-handers? And it didn't seem like that at the beginning of the season. I mean, he was like oh for. 30 or something like that right, or over right. it was a it was a lot of at bats against lefties where he did yeah. not have a hit he finished yeah. the season though uh, uh batting 135 against lefties he was five for 37 against lefties so i want to well, I, I don't well have that means he must have closed well he closed well exactly. and then which he, means i think you know and kapler kept saying that like we think he can hit left-handers he just hasn't had the opportunity he hasn't had the opportunity and we're going to get him the opportunity and it's going to be something that we're going to work on right that's going to be part of his future and, and i yes. hope that that's the case i hope that that continues to happen because i think i i think that he's yet to hit a home run against a left-hander but you know i think that you know, maybe uh, with with some more opportunities, he could work himself into being an everyday yeah, player. I mean, I don't know what kind of opportunities they're going to get him in the offseason. I don't think he's going to play winter ball. But right. like, yeah. um, but I think in spring training, he should play every day. Yeah. Right. You know, he's it should be one of those things where, like, whenever there is a left-hander in, he's got to play. Yeah, it's got to be one of those things, and and you know they got to get him looks at left-handed pitchers in practice as much as possible in simulated games or whatever. They they got to push, and and whatever that is they do in the off season, they got to do that too. Yep, yep. Um, so Matthew, we're running up against the end of the show here, and um, I I do. There's a few more questions I think that I, I see here in our notes that we had about that we asked ourselves. Do we want to go through these? You know, or... let's let's save those for maybe our our you know uh, another our grand episode. finale. Yeah, grand finale. And we can maybe lead off with these questions and then go okay. from there. Okay, so why don't we tell the listeners what the plan is going forward for for giant cocktails cocktails as a whole? I mean, f- 
for, you know, I don't know that all of our listeners know this, but, you know, we we didn't have a plan when we started this 35, 36 <laughs> weeks ago. Uh, it wasn't that many weeks ago. It was like 34, 32 weeks ago because we, we, we added a couple of extra episodes here and there during the playoffs. But, um, you know, you and I, we didn't, you and I didn't even know what we were going to do. We, we didn't know what we were doing. So... Yeah, well, first of all, we uh, yeah. didn't know we would have listeners, and uh, now we've got uh, we've got lots of listeners, which has been pretty amazing. And so, thank you, listeners, for uh, finding us and sticking with us. It's been a lot of fun to to see the the the, the show grow over the course of of the year. Yes, uh, absolutely. Thank you all very very much for your support. It, that has been. Um, it has been a lot of well. It's been surprising. Yeah, it's been surprising to see. But we're so glad you're here. And, yeah, and, and I mean, it makes a big difference. You know, the first few episodes we were talking to our mom, and so it was great yeah. to you know she was she's shout out to mom, yay! But yeah. uh, you know, but hey, it's it's great when we can share uh, you know the, the giant season with others. So that was great. I think I think going forward, uh, you know, we well because we hadn't ever done this before. Uh, we hadn't really did it. We didn't really have a plan about what what was going to happen, uh, but we so we thought about it. And I think for the off season, well, first of all, we're going to have two more episodes, two more weeks after this of of for sure episodes. Next week, we've invited our friend Roe from the Genuine Draft uh, podcast to chat about the Giants and our you know just some kind of fun moments and and some great questions around that and some lengthy talks yeah. about cocktails. We're uh, anticipating a a, um, a a wild and crazy episode. So, um, <laughs> you know, heavy on the cocktails, I think, on that one, folks. Absolutely. But, uh, but you know, come on and, and play along. We're going to be asking Ro some questions that we would like to ask all of you. Quite yeah, honestly, I, yeah, you. exactly. We 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 think that Ro is the as a great stand, uh, proxy for the average fan, and definitely had some questions for him. So look out for that. And then we're going to wrap up the season around the World Series ending, and uh, you know, we'll definitely look forward uh, to next season for the Giants. Uh, we'll talk about free agents and uh, and and players that we you know think we'd like to have back, and others that we. We don't think we'll come back, and we'll just get into all of that into the future of the Giants. Uh, and then in the off season, the you off know, season. we're we're going to frankly take a little break. Uh, we're probably yeah. going to uh, explore some cocktail type podcast so be on the lookout for that if you're if that's why you're here or you enjoy that aspect of it and yes. we'll certainly let you know when that happens yeah we'll, we'll probably drop a couple of uh of trailers within this podcast uh stream to let you know when when those are coming out they're definitely going to be cocktail focused uh and we'll we'll announce those on this stream uh when they come out yep and then, uh, yeah, but also when Giants news comes, you know, there'll be free agency and, you know, anything that kind of anything that we feel like is something that needs to be worth uh, discussing. We'll jump on and do a podcast about that. Look for us around the new year. We'll do a New Year's resolution episode around the Giants and what uh, what we would like for the Giants. And then, of course, as we get closer to spring training, we'll we'll ramp back up and and start talking Giants baseball again. That's right. So, yes, we will be back next season. Um, and I, I think that's the long and short of it. We'll be back next season. we got a couple episodes more this season. We're going to be doing some side projects during uh, during the hot stove months. Uh, and uh, so take a look out for those. But you got us for two more weeks. And, uh, yeah, on that note, Matthew. Cheers. 
Uh, cheers. God, you always end the show. I know. I was like, I was waiting yeah. for you to say it. But uh... Oh, yeah. Well, on that note, uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at Giant Cocktails on Twitter and at Giant Cocktails on Instagram, where Matthew is in control of both of those accounts. You can find me at Watch Ben Fail on both Instagram and and Twitter. I occasionally make an appearance. It's clear that all of you are ignoring me entirely by not following me. <laughs> I'm not offended. It's fine. We do have we have gathered quite the the collection of uh, Twitter uh, giants fans. So that's right. Know, even an, and even a few Dodger fan trolls. Yeah, it's been, about time. Yep, yep. So you know you've arrived and you start uh, attracting the trolls. So that was that's been fun. Uh, so come join us on Twitter. You know, uh, we definitely have been uh, trying to engage with fans and just talk giants on Twitter. So definitely uh, join us there. On that note, cheers, Ben. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye. Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up. <laughs>